1: And I'm Autumn. This is episode
2: 62 of the Am Writing Fantasy Podcast, and uh, today we are covering one of my favorite <laughs> topics, and it's uh, fantasy map making. I think about I, one I one. honestly don't know how. How Go. did we wait 62 episodes to cover this, Autumn? This, this, this is completely wrong.
1: I don't know, because it's definitely, it's both of us. I mean, I, I'm i currently ranking a fantasy map for another author. So yeah, I love fantasy maps. I don't know how we waited so long. Maybe we just thought just talking about a map would be too... Less fun than getting the visuals, but oh, we'll, we'll we'll figure it out. No <laughs>
2: it's, it cannot be not fun to talk about maps. It's that's I... uh, incredible. Yeah, I mean, we are amateurs. should we should have done this as episode one or something.
1: <laughs> <laughs> that's true. We just this is about fantasy well, it's because we're not just world building, but this is definitely something we both love and so many authors do. I mean, what is a fantasy book without a map in it? It's just you feel lost yeah. right from the get-go. Yeah, I keep every single week, I find some maps on on Twitter, and then I comment on them just because I like them so much. (laughs) Yeah, so when I was more active on Twitter, I would do the same thing. And you're right, I actually kind of, I kind of miss seeing the maps and what people are working on. I need to add world building hashtags to my Instagram searches.
2: Yeah, yeah, indeed. I mean, I don't care if, the, if those Twitter images are like uh, somebody made it out of crayon or whatever. I don't care. I, just the, map, the fact that there's a map, I love a map. I don't yes. care what it looks like.
1: Yeah, I mean, I went for my uh, last book where I was creating a map, my newest world that I was making. I actually only did it in black and white, which I mean, I almost always color my map. So I was very surprised myself. But there's nothing, you know. It's sometimes fun just to have the shading and keep it simple, and it does look better in the book. It's very crisp. Yeah, yeah. It, the, the color does make it better, to be honest. But but <laughs>
2: black and white can be quite cool.
1: Yeah. Well, I, I, it yeah. was a uh, yeah. It needed to get done when it was still. It was fun. I mean, I just recently found discovered cartography brushes for Photoshop and. Yeah. Oh, nice. Oh, no, it's so bad. <laughs> it's so much fun <laughs> to, to have so much ease of creating maps. So, yeah, it's it's what we do. Right. But that's All not right. where we're going to start. We have so much other stuff been going on the last week, haven't? I know even in your life, you've got some stuff going on.
2: Yeah, well, it, well I think in general things have been going quite well. Um, on the on the work side of things, I'm about halfway through the plotting book 1 for our new series. Oh, nice. So, I'm very pleased with that. So, it, it's it's going uh, it's going to be so much fun to write that novel. I'm really looking forward to it. Yeah. Um but other than that, it's also been a pretty, well, pretty busy weekend last weekend, but also the last couple of weekends because, uh, well, this weekend we just uh, came out of uh, one of my son's classmates had a birthday party. <laughs> uh, so he was at that and my older son was at the cinema, cinema together with my wife. And uh, and we also had somebody who came to look at the house, uh, I, I mentioned before, I think on the podcast that we're... We've been trying to sell the house for a long while now.
1: so uh,
2: (laughs) But things are moving. Maybe. Yeah, well, there's been a bit of an uptake in in people looking now. At least we've had three different couples uh, looking over the last couple... Well, two weeks probably. Uh, Last week and this weekend. Maybe the weekend even before that, I don't remember. But the last couple of weeks have been a bit of an uptake. Um, One of them... Was like uh, this younger couple, yeah. And when they were here looking at the house, I I always said to my wife because they really liked the house, mm-hmm. and and then they had to go and had a meeting with the bank, of obviously. And I said to my wife, you know, these guys, this, they don't have the money to buy this. Oh, no, I no. Mean, it, it's, it's our house is only like, um, what is it from two thousand and five? Okay. Something you know, it's it's a pretty new house. So it's not cheap. <laughs> so if you're really young, you you can't afford it. So, oh. and yeah, lo and behold, they came back and uh, okay, it's about 800,000 Danish crowns, too expensive. So that's like a hundred K US oh, dollars. Yikes. So it's like, you're, you're just, you're way off, you know, oh. um, And then there was another couple looking, uh, they looked at three different houses here in in our area. Mm -hmm. Um, They actually ended up bidding on one of the other ones, but they bid like what's probably equivalent to 40, 50 K dollars below the price that it was offered for. So yeah, the real estate agent just told me, you know, I, I just told them, then, then I, I'm not even going to tell the, the, you know, the house owner your bid, because this is ridiculous. Oh, wow. No, you can't bid 50K below the, I mean, come on, it's, it's not serious, right?
1: Yeah, that, that's um, really asking so, for a bargain.
2: I mean, come on, it's, it's ridiculous. So so that never happened. So they went away. And then this weekend, uh, just a couple of days ago, there was another couple in the mid 30s who came to look at our house and they looked at one more house as well uh just down the street that is also for sale uh so they really like the house um Ooh. so they they needed and they they have a good uh, uh you know financial financial they are they're doing well enough <laughs> so oh. uh we'll see what what happens it's it's only been like one workday since they were here right so i don't know yet okay. we'll see what happens but but I don't know. I mean, why is it that people go out and, and do like house shopping without checking with the bank first or how much they can afford? I just don't understand.
1: No, I mean, the times I've bought houses, we have always gone and gotten a pre-approval and had like a limit yeah. and just kind of known what we were looking for. But I don't know, maybe that one young couple was really, you know, maybe this is our first time and they hadn't really figured that out yet. No, but isn't it like common sense that, you know, if you want to buy a house,
2: maybe you need to check with the bank how much you can afford. I mean, it's it's just, you, you know, they're wasting their own time driving around, also probably getting excited about somehow, mm-hmm. yeah, we want to buy that house and whatnot, right? But they're also wasting our time that we have to leave the house and they have to see it and all that. And then it's just all for nothing, right? It's, yeah. I
1: don't know. Well. It's
2: just weird to me. I I don't know.
1: That what's common sense for some people might be a, a learning experience for someone else.
2: Yeah, maybe.
1: <laughs>
2: maybe. <laughs> but course, I guess I shouldn't be complaining. At least somebody's is uh, interesting in in seeing the house, so, so that that's of course good. But
1: uh, maybe some someday maybe it'll lead into an actual <laughs> sale. But uh,
2: it's it's tough.
1: It's yeah, tough. it is tough. It's still early in the spring, so you'll uh, you know. To me, spring is always when house sales and stuff really start moving so it's to me it's a good sign that you have people interested early spring so that's a good thing it's a good sign yeah i'm trying
2: not to be too pessimistic but but keep in mind that we've had the house for sale for more than a year now right so we've been through a spring already oh yeah
1: (laughs) but it was a bad spring Uh, this will be this is the one 2020 is yeah maybe maybe (laughs) 2020 is the right spring that's right i like that (laughs) i hope so so that's that'll be a good sign yeah how about you Oh, well, you know, I moved into our little uh, cabin in the woods that we're fixing up um, as part of our rental agreement. So that's really exciting, except it is Vermont and it is winter, uh, not quite spring. And part of what we're doing is a little addition on the back. And that is, um, it's really fun to have to do some earth moving and ground work. A small gr- right. small spot but it's because it's under an overhang so it's like you couldn't fit in heavy equipment even if we had some but it's a lot of um hand picking <laughs> and uh, i didn't realize i've learned that the tool i'm using is actually called a pneumatic it's a pickaxe on one side and it looks kind of like a hoe on the other it's not a pneumatic. right uh, right writing you know
2: writer's hands they don't like manual labor like that, do they?
1: <laughs> no, my um yeah, my right wrist is a little sore and tired and so uh yeah it's not exactly i'm not writing right now but i have to say i I, the keyboard it's much easier to type (laughs) but so far i have to say considering my hands usually get really sore like if i do woodworking and things so i'm i'm not displeased that it's going well and i learned that some of those common phrases like pick away at things I think that came from pickaxing. You just kind of take little chunks, not big chunks, but it's going, it's all the groundwork's almost, it's like 92% done. So this week, hopefully, yeah, well, this week we'll hopefully be actually putting in the floor uh, and then building the walls. And, you know, once you got that pretty much framed in and put the insulation, it's starting to feel like, you know, you're, it's amazing how fast a building, especially just a one room can go up. So, um, right. Yeah, I'm really hopeful that it'll be, uh, you know, a week to next week. You'll have to check in and see how far we've come in our little cabin project. If you follow me on Instagram, I have been posting some pictures, even on Facebook, on my personal feed. So if someone is interested in those, actually. Yeah. Yeah. Tiny house construction. um, If you're kind of curious, you know, come look me up and you can see how my home's coming along in between the podcast updates.
0: (laughs) Cool. A week on the internet with the Am Writing Fantasy podcast.
2: So we have uh, something quite amazing
1: to mention today.
2: I know. Um, so, I
0: can't
1: believe we've held off yeah. for mentioning this as well.
2: No, I, I guess to be honest, like we talked about before we started <laughs> recording, we should probably have mentioned it a bit earlier as well because it's just a bit down to the wire here, but. If you are listening to this uh, podcast episode on the day that it it airs, then it will be the 2nd of March. Mm -hmm. And that means that we have for the first time in six months now, we have our premium writing course open for enrollment.
1: Yay. This is a big course. So it's, and we only do this twice a year. So it's so exciting when we open it up to new students and it's exciting to see the new students too. Yeah, absolutely. But
2: the, the 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 thing is here that so it it'll be the second of March if you, if you're listening on the day that this episode launches. But the course actually closes on the fifth of March, so you only have a few days. <laughs> uh, there uh, there is a link in the show notes, uh, so you can go and check it out if you're interested in that. But maybe or maybe you could just say a bit about what's in this uh, course that we have named the Ultimate Fantasy Writer's Guide.
1: Right. I would love to because this course is very near and dear to my heart. I actually created this one before we got together and became Am Writing Fantasy. Yeah. So this was this course I created it because well one, because I had a horrible time um with some in-person courses I took ages ago and I remember English class that were so boring and so many of these things they tell you these adages and they don't really get into the in-depth, or the one course I took was all on, you know, it was uh, open to all these other genres, memoirs, and blah, blah, blah. And it really didn't help me with fantasy writing. And that's what I wanted to learn. So as I got better and got awards and learned what I was doing, I've started putting all those notes together and created this course that it's to me, I wanted, I'm sick of always having to go cobble together and get your information from a hundred different sources or six different courses. I wanted a one-stop shop. I wanted to be able to take um, an idea. So to, you have an idea for a novel, how to develop that, how to build characters, how to world build, all the important things with fantasy writing, and then breaking down the writing from how to write the beginning of a novel, how to write a really riveting middle and not get yourself or your reader lost or bored, and how what you need to put in the climax and the ending. And more than that, though, I wanted to teach other authors how to go and find uh, you know readers especially as you're writing so that they're there and they're excited for your launch day and you end up launching to reviews and how to edit. Cause I know that was one of we just talked about editing on the podcast, but editing that was mm. something when I first got to it, I was like, Oh, how do you tackle this? So I have a whole module on editing in there And there's editing on what is indie publishing and talking about wide versus just on Amazon or KDP Select. And what do you need to do for formatting? What do you need to do for book covers? What are all these steps and pieces? Because I know the first time I've helped so many authors since then, the first time you upload to Amazon, it's so nerve wracking and it's exciting and (laughs) you have questions. So it actually goes step by step on how to do that. And then the last module is how to go and build an author platform and, and brand. I mean, literally, I wanted this to be everything from your first novel idea to building your author career business all in one class. So it's a pretty it, I, – I know when I first told people this is what I wanted to do, they're like, wow, whoa, how are you going to do that? And, hey, 12 modules, I did it. Got, you know, the students who have gone through it are love it and i think it's helped quite a few people and actually i know you Jesper, actually went through it so i think that's I exciting did, yes. yeah so
2: yeah well, it's quite some years ago now but i did,
1: yeah. <laughs> oh it's been out for a few years now so it, it is really funny so it is kind of you were help what well, helped me be beta test it almost so it was fantastic back then and yeah i i'm so excited to be seeing it you know, coming again and new students, and it's always a really exciting thing. And I know you said, uh, I think you'd pulled together some of the testimonials from other students. I did, yes. Uh,
2: I, I put together a short uh, sound clip here that I was thinking to play just so people shouldn't take our word for it, right? So That's right. We, I, can just, I can just play a short sound clip here if you're okay with that. Yes, excellent. Okay, let's go.
1: Hi, everyone. I'm Catherine. I'm currently working my way through the Ultimate Fantasy Writer's Guide, and I've been finding it very helpful. One of my main problems has been plotting. I had a very hard time getting my plot to go through and have continuity. After going through the workshops for the plotting section, I have now got a full plot and have begun writing. It has been very helpful for me, and I'm sure you will find it very helpful, too. Thanks.
0: Hi, I'm JMD Reed, fantasy author,
2: and I just watched Autumn Britt's uh, launch day module. It was uh, really informative. Had a lot of great information. She had ideas I had never thought of before. Really excited to implement her ideas in the launch of my own book. Thank you, Autumn. I highly recommend the Ultimate Fantasy Writer's Guide. Because it's one of the best programs I've ever seen. It not only covers pretty much everything about writing from start to finish, including fan bases and staying confident and everything, it also has things like languages and naming your characters based on that. And it has map making. It is just so excellent. All right, that, that was it. <laughs> uh, I hope that was loud enough. Uh, I can. Uh, some of it was a, might, might might be a bit low on the volume, but hopefully everybody could hear that. Yeah, open.
1: it came through fine on my end. So hopefully, uh no one's like Good. driving and they're le- leaning towards their speaker <laughs> trying to hear those. But uh, <laughs> hopefully, hopefully the uh, soundtracks will you know be boosted when we do our post production. So we'll we'll keep an eye on that.
2: Yeah, well, we'll see what we can All do right. f- to make sure it goes through okay. But uh, but at least that, that gives uh, you, dear listener, um, a bit of a, you know other people's reflection on the course. Uh, and as I said, it closes on the 5th of March, and we only open it twice a year. So if you want to have a look at it, you need to hurry a bit <laughs> <laughs> and click through the links in the show notes and, and check it out. And uh, if you do come in later and listening to this after the 5th, then you can still follow that link in the show notes uh, and it'll actually, there, there will then be the possibility to get your name on a wait list for next time around. So uh, you can do that. Yes. And the additional benefit I would say from doing that is also that you get onto our email list and in between now and next time we're going to email you a lot of good stuff about yeah. writing and World building tips and all kinds of stuff. So uh, it never stops.
1: We always have tips. We have the podcast, we have, (laughs) you know, tips we send by email. So we want to make sure that, you know, we're helping authors and writers from everything from marketing to how to write well. So it's worth looking us up and at least joining the email list. And then you'll hear about the next course if you miss this one, which will be usually sometime in August. So gosh, isn't that an ages away? Probably, yeah. (laughs)
2: Yeah, well, time flies. Yes. Uh, And of of course, if you're on the email list, then you will get the information timely as well and not last second like this. That's (laughs) right. Next time, maybe we'll do
1: better about announcing it ahead of time.
2: (laughs) Yeah, We'll try try. at least. I don't want to promise too much, but we'll try. And you
1: never know when someone's going (laughs) to listen to an episode. So you could be listening to this in June.
2: (laughs) Yeah, who knows? Yeah, maybe. Yeah, yeah, that's true. All right. Um, I think we'll move on. Let's go.
0: And on to today's topic.
2: So, fantasy <laughs> making. I was thinking, like, where do we want to start oh. with the I mean, the, I, I, I think. I I would like to talk a bit about where you start with the map and also how a map map can help you with writing. Maybe we could talk a bit about tools that
1: you can oh, use yeah. for map creation. But I don't know what you think. That sounds perfect. I was going to say you you've only written a book on fantasy map making and you don't know where to start. I mean, come on, Jesper, <laughs> you should have this now. Oda. I'm disappointed. <laughs>
2: Yeah, well, the, the thing is that with the book, right, uh, you you can show the illustrations yeah. of everything that I'm talking about, and uh, but but here with audio only, we need to be a bit mindful about how to how to make this episode approachable, uh, so it doesn't become too technical about <laughs> geographics or whatever, because that might also be a bit boring to listen to. But when you have a big uh, a book with Pictures in it, then it becomes a bit more interesting.
1: It's, <laughs> it's e- much easier to show the pictures, but that's okay. I because I've written tons of blog posts. I mean, map making is sort of. I think I had been doing a post on map making, and you were had the book coming out on something with maps and. Lo and behold, it's sort of how we met. Our first, first, first introduction way back when on Twitter. So yeah, this is I can't believe this is What's I it? think so. Oh, remind me. Oh, I think so. I'd have to go back into Twitter and double check. Oh, goodness knows, I'm sure it's back there somewhere. It's been years and years and years. But I do remember I think I done a <laughs> map making one oh one blog post. So if I can do a blog post on map making one oh one, we can we can do this with no visuals. we'll, we'll we're gonna be fine. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. (laughs) And I do think Um, we've always... I think we both had the theory um, that you start with coastlines. That's always where I like to start with my map is actually figuring out which is land and which is water. Yeah. uh, I have one step that I
2: like to do before I even get that far, to be honest. okay, Um, Because I think... When you're looking at the map, uh, I mean, of course, we are talking about maps that accompanies novels. Mm-hmm. Here. So, what I would like to do before I even do anything, um, uh, and after that, I agree that then it's coastlines. But <laughs> b- before I get to the coastlines, uh, I I like to think a bit about the story that you're going to oh, tell. Very true. Very good point. And then think about okay. What kind of things do I need on this map to convey the story, so that it it helps the story, right? So it could be like, you know, you need the you need the mountain where the uh, well. Now I'm thinking about the vampire, of course, from our next <laughs> <It's> <laughs> series here, weird. but something, you know. Yeah, you need the the grave site for the vampire on the mountain. Okay, so I need a mountain, right? Uh, <laughs> Uh, or I need a magical tower mm-hmm. or, uh, you know, I need a capital city from where the main character comes from or whatever it might be. But but so I like to write down like a like a list of, okay, here are the things that I definitely need on that no, map. No, that's very true. Just so that I can reference it.
1: Yes. I think even like, even when you don't realize that you're already creating your world and a map in your mind, you really are. As you start thinking of your story, you think about where the main character, you know, where does the story start? Uh, that's a, obviously a really good place to maybe start thinking about where your map is, you know, and then you think about where does the character go and the big events and you start, you're right. You start saying, well, uh, I know with my first book, they started on a seaside town and then we needed a big city and then we're going to go across the, a big dangerous water. And so they're going to go to a desert. So you start making that list of these are the kind of areas that I want my story, things I want to happen in my story and, places I want my characters to go to. And very quickly you start coming up with a map and to scale it back, because the map I have to create this week for another author is only one city, but it's still an entire story. So you still do the same thing. Of, in this city, what are the places they're going to go to? The taverns, the castle, the palace, the docks, the slums. You're going to start mapping out those areas of that you're going to need to create the story you're writing.
2: Mm, yeah, and, and and that's exactly where I wanted to go mm-hmm. uh, when it comes to how does maps actually help with writing? Because uh, one thing is that once you start mapping out things, you start thinking of other things <laughs> that that you didn't add, and and you can sort of use that as inspiration, which is quite nice. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the other thing is also, I feel like I I often like right now, for example, I'm plotting out uh, book one in our next series here, and I. Very often when I sit and I plot a chapter, I, ha- I pull out the draft map that we put together. We're not done with the map yet, but, but at least the draft, I pull it out just to, because it, it both gives me a, a feel of sizes of things, mm-hmm. but also distances, which is very, very helpful. Um, so to know, okay, so if, if I'm going to have them go from this city to that city. How far is it actually? And how, how long will that take them? Right. Right. But, but with the map right there, it's so easy to uh, quickly calculate, oh, okay, that trip will take a week. Okay. Yeah. Then I know that, oh, right? yes. Uh, instead of uh, just making it up out of the blue. Uh, I think, uh, yeah, it, it just helps tremendously. Yes.
1: And to add to that, I mean, once your map is done and even as you're, you know, writing pre- next novel or a series but once it's done and you're saying they're going from here to here and you realize suddenly you know they're crossing a high mountain or they're crossing a marsh and suddenly you have hurdles and other things you can throw in there or at least descriptions and that's that to me I mean that added so much to my first series when I suddenly saw all these places they would go and develop the cultures that would live in these places and made it all different and I think it really the book is so much better because I made the map first
2: yeah. Yeah, I agree. And 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 the other thing is that uh well maybe to quote the uh best selling fantasy writer Brandon Sanderson, <laughs> right? But he said at some point that the whole make of epic fantasy is immersion. Yes. Uh, and that I fully agree with. Uh the immersion is what makes a difference. And if you want immersion, I mean f- you mentioned it before, Autumn, right? I mean, having a map at the front of the book in the first couple of pages, that already draws people in, because uh, also because it's a picture. Mm-hmm. And we, we like looking at pictures. It, it's much, much easier than reading about, okay, so this city is over there, 500 miles from that city, which sits in between, and then there is a marsh and blah, 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 right? But pictures right there, you can see yes. it. You don't even have to explain anything. Nope. Um, so... It, it adds that uh, emotion, but it also adds realism yeah. because I really feel like when it, and this is something I talk quite a lot about in, in in the guidebook is that maps has to be realistic. I mean unless of course, if you are creating a truly fantastical world where like like the cities are hanging upside down <laughs> in the air or whatever then it's fine. you can do whatever you want right but but otherwise, if you're creating your like more traditional, medieval epic fantasy Mm -hmm. which is the case for most of us most of the time Uh, or it could also be an urban fantasy in a in a a bit more modern setting but even if you have a map there it it has to be realistic Mm -hmm. and and by realistic i'm talking about stuff like um well let's take rivers for example right Uh, so rivers they leave mountains Mm -hmm. Um, but then sometimes in some maps you will see the illustrator then sort of turns the river around and then it passes through another or like a second mountain range because before it goes to to the sea, right? right? And and rivers won't do that. It would be a very uh, extreme the extreme rain. elevation. <laughs> just uh, yeah. it, it it's it doesn't happen. No. <laughs> so it's like an unrealistic flow of water. Um, and I could also mention wh- when a river heads downstream, uh, when it's heading towards the ocean, it won't divide by splitting up as you know, as in one river suddenly becoming two rivers. Right. Instead, rivers will combine as in two rivers joining to become yes. one. And then on many maps, you also see a ton of river deltas, but actually they are much rarer than one mm-hmm. thing. Uh, they are usually found near the coastline. So you can add them there if you want, but these are the kind of things that you really need to think about and and you know infuse your map with this kind of level of realism because the reader might not actually be able to put their fingers on what is wrong, but intuitively they will and they will just feel like there's something that is a bit off here something just doesn't compute here and that breaks the immersion yes. and and it's just. Yeah, it's sad <laughs> when that happens. It is. I,
1: I mean, it really, if you haven't studied geology or cartography, to spend some time with some real maps, real world maps, uh, where you live or coastlines or islands and really get a feel for what shapes the land and rivers and, you know, what is theoretically possible i mean there's always exceptions like i can think of you know if you had a glacial dam burst and it created a canyon you could technically have a river go through a mountain range it does happen in the rockies but this is an incredibly a rare event and you have to have a geological past and you have to know something about tectonic plates and geology and so if you don't have that level of knowledge, probably best to stick to rivers, do not cut through mountains. They they form little streams, go into a bigger stream that goes into a river and that goes to the coast and dumps into a lake or an ocean. That's a pretty safe bet and you should stick with that. Yeah, I mean, it's it's honestly not
2: because any of this is very complicated. Yes. Uh, you, you just sort of need to get the basics there and... Uh, uh, but but the other thing about uh, the geographical things of it is also especially when it comes to why I don't know why we're talking so much about water but, but <laughs> there you go, <laughs> but especially when it comes to water, water has a very, very big impact on maps uh, but it also has a very big impact on the cultures or the political borders and so forth because rivers not only provide fresh water to the people living around the rivers but they are also this kind of land feature that gives you a, a border, basically, right? So in, in, in the old days when, oh, I was just about to say, when you can't build a wall to <laughs> another country, I guess we shouldn't get into all that no, debacle no, there. But go there.
1: <laughs> we said we promised we keep politics uh, but, out of this. <laughs> Yes,
2: yes. So, but what I just meant is that it gives you a natural border, right? So you could have one nation living on one side of the river, if, if it's like a big river, and, and another nation on the other side. And it's not necessarily that easy to cross either. So, and it, it becomes easy to defend as well. So it gives you sort of the lay of the lands with the different nations or kingdoms and so forth, and, and where it makes sense that they would have their borders. Right. The same thing with the mountains, yes. right? They also give you natural borders. So I was just
1: about to say, use- yes, mountains are f- yeah. these natural features, whether they rivers, marshes, um, places you can't cross, mountains, they're wonderful borders to help develop your nations. And I was going to mention rivers, too, but going back to water, uh, They're not just good borders, but they tend to be where towns and cities develop because water is a means for transporting trade goods. It is something we need to live on, and you often protect your clean water source. So that's usually where a lot of the cities and the first earliest cultures are going to develop near fresh water, drinking water. So that's also an important aspect of why we focus on water and rivers yeah. Uh, and it also
2: becomes uh, sort of the highway of your medieval world, meaning that, you know, traveling on boat downstream and stuff like that, that's by far the fastest way to travel. Uh, or if you're doing like um, trading or something, that would also be uh, the way to do that. Uh, the, the fastest and easiest would be to sail. Yeah. So uh, if the river is like a big river that flows into the ocean or something, uh, then... Uh, that that's that's sort of an artery of your trading business in in your world then so i I think that the point about mentioning all of this is 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 really to say that there is a lot of things with creating the map that can influence your writing directly or the story directly and then things will start falling into place and making sense once you have a map
1: and to me i think the biggest thing is like i mentioned i usually develop the map and then i see these areas and I know the part of map making is also, you know, the weather, you know, mountain ranges and volcanoes and the, you get down to the nitty gritty of what it would be like to live in this area. I mean, I food is huge for me. If we're not talking about water, you know, what people would grow to eat there and, you know, if there's enough Mm, resources for the city to grow or towns. And as you start thinking about the food types and the water and the land and the rain, I start developing an actual race and a culture that would live there. And so, you know, my first uh, story, my first series, there wasn't any traditional fantasy cultures because I made them all up to fit the world I had drawn that all came from first building the map and then hmm. thinking about who are these people that would have lived and grown and adapted to be in this climate and uh, that's one of my favorite parts is just it's it the map creates the seed the kernel that grows into something truly unique and that fits your world and your story and only your world and your story and it's exciting
2: yeah absolutely I mean the, 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 I really feel like when I open a fantasy book uh, I know I've said this many times on Twitter as well <laughs> but uh, when I open a fantasy book if I don't find a map within the first few pages, I'm already a bit disappointed <laughs> and it's it's like and I know not every reader is like me of course, but it's like readers who really like fantasy mm-hmm. they like the maps most of them yes uh, and it's a bit like why do you want to disappoint them right off the bat right oh no, yeah it's very true I <laughs> just I mean, the map is going to help you, and the reader will love yeah. it. So why not make Oh,
1: Oh, trust me. I had, a, I had a reader who actually really liked the map for my world, and obviously they really liked my series. They actually asked if there was a way to buy the map. I mean, talk about getting tingles. That was still... Every once in a while, he posts a picture of my books underneath the map, and I'm like, I, I don't even have that at my house. I'm so jealous. I want to go there and sit next to his books. <laughs> yeah, I actually
2: got the... I actually got the map of uh, of the world that I used for my previous nice. series. I actually got it made in um, uh, poster nice. size. So uh, yes, So I can actually hang it on the wall when we move at some point.
1: <laughs> ah, this is how much we love our maps.
2: <laughs> yes, yes, I love it too much, I yes. know. But, but I don't know, it's it's like I could clearly recall, like I've probably been like 10 years old or something. Mm-hmm. Uh, and together with my younger brother, we had like this one, you know, these... A3 sized pieces of uh, paper. Yeah. It was some, you know, this brown recycled
1: <laughs> oh, yes. paper
2: stuff. And we rolled it out across uh, the, the dinner table, my parents' dinner table in, in the living room. And we had multiple of these and we taped them all together. So they filled like the entire dinner table. And then we just started, I, I clearly remember like there was no real plan to it, but we just started drawing. Okay. So here's some mountains and here's a city and, and oh, and then from there, it just evolved into some sort of game that we started playing. Right? right. But but I still remember that, like, that's the first memory I have of creating a map. And I just loved it. And I, I think my parents hated it because we <laughs> occupied that table for like four days. But <laughs> you had your own campaign going. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. But, but I, I, I don't know. I, I still have that recollection. I, I, I always, always loved
1: maps. I think it would be a rare fantasy author who doesn't have some kind of map and world-building drive that or appreciation because that's sort of what's... It's a pillar of what makes a fantasy novel a fantasy novel. And I have to admit, I mean, I've written and I do write occasionally in this world, but you still... You still need to, you know, go look at the map of, you know, how far is it from this distance, and what are the unique features of this area? Because I started in Wales, and I found a place where there's actually this bridge that crosses an entire lake in Wales. It's like a mile and a half long. And I'm like, that got to use that somewhere. So it's still an yeah. exploration. It's still looking at maps. Uh, I think it's just appreci- appreciation for the realism that's there. So I, I know before we wrap up, do we want to give any like specific steps? So if you're making a map, you know, we said, okay, list out the areas you need. Then you're going to do your coastlines. After coastlines, I usually would do rivers and from rivers, cities. But I know also, I mean, do we... You have to worry about if you're really going to be realistic, you're looking at tectonic plates, which is what would cl- create the mountains, uh, weather patterns. These are all parts of actually making a map. And it's it's complicated, but, yeah, you know, sometimes it doesn't have to be if it's a very small map. Yeah,
2: yeah, I, I, yeah. As you started out by saying in the beginning, there I have a full step-by-step guide on fantasy map making, uh, uh, and it's both available in, in ebook and paperback. Uh, maybe I'll just add the link in the show notes if anybody's interesting. But basically, that that talks you through step by step what order I would do things in because it does matter a bit. But maybe that's a bit too technical. But actually, I was thinking order maybe. So if we're going by the assumption here that at least most of all us fantasy writers, we like maps. Right. If we're using that as the assumption, then I think that the reason that sometimes maps are not included in mm-hmm. books is because it is too daunting ah, to create the map. Maybe. But if we're now saying, okay, fine, there is, a, you know, you can get the step-by-step guide on the order of it. So if we sort of put take that out of the equation and say, okay, the, the problem is then not the fact that, you don't know what order to do things in and, and what to do. But maybe the, the, the if we didn't focus on the remaining problem that might be here, and that is actually how do you how do you make the map? Mm. You know, whether you're hand drawing or using software, how do you do it? Maybe, okay. maybe that's a good place to sort of wrap up, because I think that, that that's probably the only remaining hurdle that I can come up with right okay. here.
1: Well, that's fair enough. And I will also, I will try to find the blog post that um, my little fantasy map making 101 that we can add to the show notes as well. But if you really, I think even yeah. when I start with maps, I still do hand drawing. And to me, one of the biggest things is start with the biggest piece of paper you can get your hands on <laughs> because I <laughs> I, the, I totally scrunched up my world and it still doesn't look right to me. And I keep wanting to redo my original map because it's, I started with like copy paper, you know, something letter size and eight and a half by 11. And if you write, draw really small, but you know, go to the art store and buy yourself a poster side sheet of paper and, and start with that. Even if it's going, even if you're not an artist, um, it's just grab a pencil. I recommend pencil. I, I like being able to erase, but start with that. And, Start with drawing. You know that for you know, put a dot. This is where your book starts. This is that first city, and then work out there from your coastlines. But after that, you know, if you are good with computers, if you you can take that original map after you get it all sketched out and erased and everything fit in where you want it to, and you can do that online, or you can take that and hire uh, an all. O- artists to do it. And they, they're they still going to say, hey, you know, you can describe it to me just like you can describe it to your readers. But a visual is so important, no matter how rough and how horrible you think it looks. It really helps to have something scribbled out on paper to outline what it is you're hoping to see in your finished product. And there's some great programs out there. There's a the cartography programs. There's some uh, people who do role playing games. There's some great things that you can make some half decent maps that are out there and of course you know I like to put all of mine in Photoshop because I'm just I just love Photoshop so much because you're the wizard. I, <laughs> I have <laughs> definitely grown to be very fond of the program but it's not the only one out there there's some other great programs too so you should learn to yeah I can just mention yeah a few here you for have people. some good ones so, Uh
2: fractal mapper oh, yeah. is one there's gimp there is dope Illustrator. There is Incarnate, which has actually become better and better and better with the latest releases mm, that they've excellent. made. And then there's also Cam- Campaign Cartographer 3, which is the software that I used before sort of uh, Autumn swooped <laughs> in and took over the map design. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, there's there's quite a lot of options out there. Some of them are easy to use. Some of mm-hmm. them are more complicated. I mean, Cam- Campaign Cartographer, ca- Cartographer 3, <laughs> Jesus, that's hard to say. Yeah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> that that one is a bit complicated to you it, it has a steep learning curve yeah uh but again i mean go to our youtube channel and there is actually a st- again a a step-by-step I like those step-by-step
1: things
2: (laughs) but there is a step-by-step video series actually to take you from scratch to end uh, using Campaign Cartographer 3 and exactly where to click and what to do so there is that on the YouTube channel if you want but otherwise there are are these different uh, tools Incarnate as far as I see I've not tried it myself but as far as I've seen all the tutorial videos it looks like it's pretty easy to use Um, and I think what I would say is that if you want to put your map into a, a book that you're going to publish, then I agree with what Autumn said in the sense that it, it's great to use these different tools, or even if you do it hand drawing, that's fine as well, but it's great to use something to get... Uh, to an illustration of how what you want the map to look like, right? So that you can easily see here all the cities, here are the mountains, and, and blah 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 blah. Everything is there, uh, and so that you can give it to somebody who knows what they're doing, uh, and then they will put, do the final touches on it and, and shine it up so that it becomes uh, something that you can put into a a novel. Yes. Uh, because you don't want to put in like, let's say, a campaign campaign cartographer three or an incarnate or whatever. GIMP or whatever you're using. You don't want to put a, a extract of that into a novel because it's, it doesn't look professionally enough. So there is that caveat. Yes, But of course, if you can give the artist, here it is, it's exactly like this, you know, in terms of the placement of everything. And then just give them a bit of freedom and say, you know, play with it, the design of it, you know, make it, make it look professional and good. But I just want the different cities and the names and whatnot and, and the mountains and the rivers and all, all the other stuff. I want it to look like this but the actual finished touch of it or the layout, uh, I don't know if you can use that (laughs) word, but but you you can, you know, feel free to, to be an artist and, and, and make that
1: look really good uh, as long as you don't move things around on the map. Right. And being from the artist point of view where I've done this for other authors. Yes. That, that map, the sketch, knowing where someone wants the coastlines is just huge. You're, going blind if you don't have that. So no matter how you feel about your drawing skills, sketch it out. And even it, it helps almost to finish writing the book before you try to get the map completed because you'll be surprised at how many times you add something new through your first book and even through your subsequent books. I mean, I had, I had some features created by my characters that I had to add in later for later editions. But that's sort of the fun of creating a map and actually having the world grow with your stories.
2: perfect i think that's a wrap uh next monday we'll cover something that is heavily debated and that is how much should you read when you're writing this will be a a tough one
0: Yes, I if think you so. like what you just heard, there's a few things you can do to support the Am Writing Fantasy podcast. Please tell a fellow author about the show and visit us at Apple Podcasts and leave a rating and review. You can also join Autumn and Jasper on Patreon.com/slash Am Fantasy for as little as a dollar a month. You'll get awesome rewards and keep the Am Writing Fantasy podcast going. Stay safe out there, and see you next Monday.